You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John in chapter 13. I mean, we're going to be reading various verses from this story. This is the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And then this uh, story is found on page 144 of the New Testament of your Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along with today's reading from the Good News Translation. It is now the day before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. He had always loved those in the world who were his own, and he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. And so in the presence of his disciples, he rose from the table, took off his outer garment and tied a towel around his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. After Jesus had washed their feet and he put put his outer garment back on, In return to his place at the table, he said, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and that is right that you do so, because that is who I am. I, your teacher and and your Lord, have just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you will do just what I have done for you. I am willing to tell, I am telling you the truth. No slave is greater than its master. And no messenger is greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know this truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. For the longest time, I operated under a false assumption that there was a link between being introverted and being intelligent. For the longest time, I believed that if you were an introverted person, if you got your energy back from being isolated and and, and finding that sense of solitude, that you were somehow more intelligent than those that get their energy by being around people or extroverted people. I don't exactly know why I held on to this belief, but I know that I believed it in my heart of hearts because it shaped so many of my experiences in college. I was thinking this week about a time in college, it had been a rough couple of weeks, it was late into the semester, and I was absolutely exhausted and drained. And it also happened to be right before the University of Sioux Falls played Augustana College in in men's college basketball because a group of my friends had decided to guard the cougar, they had decided to guard the cougar from getting egged as it was the year before. Um, We were not successful. But my group of friends had decided to, to do this, to, to, to guard the cougar, and I have to tell you that it sounded an awful lot like fun. But because I was under this assumption that I was an introvert, and introverts were more intelligent, and I at least wanted to be seen as intelligent, I chose to spend my night in my dorm room. Not feeling sorry for myself, 
No, because I'm an introvert. This is just what I needed to get my energy back. I held on to this belief as long as I could. And I have to tell you that the day that I could no longer hold on to this belief was my first day of seminary. Because on my first day of seminary, I actually took the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the psychological test that actually tests extroversion and introversion, and come to find out, to my shock and horror, on a scale of 1 to 20, I am a 17-point extrovert. I am the extrovert's extrovert. I operate best when I am around other people. And when I started to actually act like an extrovert, life somehow got better. Funny how that works out. What I have learned about myself, and not just myself, but all of humanity, what I have learned about us is that we all have this need to experience a mix or to experience a balance between socialization and alone time. Even though I am an extreme extrovert, I do not operate best when I am just with people all the time, always. I need those moments to break away. And just because someone else might be an introvert, they don't operate best when they are around no people any of the time. What I've learned is that solitude is healthy. That some people need that in order to recharge their batteries, and sometimes, despite being an extrovert, I need that to recharge my batteries. I've also learned that solitude can become distorted into loneliness. And loneliness can lead to a fear of being unloved and alone. There are a lot of ways where we come into that fear, but it is pervasive in our lives. Loneliness is that feeling of isolation, that feeling that nobody really notices us that nobody really cares for us, that nobody really knows us as we are. And the powerful thing about loneliness is that we can feel that way even when we're around other people. You can be in a congregation and still feel lonely. You can be watching a parade with thousands of people and still feel lonely. You can look at your Facebook account and realize that you have 561 friends on Facebook that are online at the same time as you and still feel lonely, still feel like you don't matter, still feel like no one truly knows you or truly cares about you. What I find so interesting is that we find ourselves in a place in time and history where we are simultaneously the most connected that we've ever been and the loneliest we've ever been. We are simultaneously the most connected that we have ever been and we are the loneliest we've ever been. At a moment's notice, without any effort at all, I can grab this thing out of my pocket, open up Snapchat, and send a selfie to my best friend Colin, who is an ELCA Lutheran pastor in Wishick, North Dakota, leading worship right now, so I'm not going to do that in the middle of church. But I could do it. 
Without much thought or energy, I could grab my phone, open up FaceTime, and call any of the 1.3 billion other people that also have an iPhone in their pocket. We are the most connected that we have ever been. But we are also the loneliest that we have ever been. Health insurer Cigna recently completed a study of 10,000 adults and what they found after the pandemic. They did this study back in 2018 and the numbers were shocking, but after the pandemic, the numbers got even worse. In the research that they just released of these 10,000 adults, they said that 61% of respondents feels like no one knows them well. 56% of people surround themselves with people and still feel like no one truly knows them. 40% of these 100,000 adults said that they lack companionship, that their relationships lack meaning, and that they feel isolated. In a lot of ways, we've navigated COVID-19 to the point where it went from pandemic to endemic to now just something that we deal with. But the Surgeon General and other health officials warn us that there is an epidemic of loneliness that is part of life now. And the thing about loneliness is that it is powerful. Loneliness can have an effect on our physical well-being. Chronic loneliness, chronic, chronic anxiety, chronic depression can lead to serious and emotional physical consequences. There was a study in Great Britain that said that long-term loneliness has the same impact on our physical bodies as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 15 cigarettes a day, that's like being a, almost a pack-a-day smoker if we experience chronic loneliness for long enough. And loneliness compounds over time. We can feel lonely, but it can eventually lead to us feeling like we will never be loved again. We can be alone, but it can also make us feel like we're going to be alone for the rest of our lives. There's a reason why we're afraid of this, right? And I just have to wonder if Jesus wasn't afraid that this would also happen to the disciples following his death on the cross. I just have to wonder if this is not why Jesus spent so much time preparing his disciples. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, this so much happened. And a major bulk of it was Jesus preparing his disciples for what was going to happen next. Was Jesus just wanting them to be okay? Because think about the disciples. So much of their identity had been formed over the past three years because of their connection with Jesus. And so much of their identity would continue to be shaped for the rest of their lives because of their association with Jesus. And without Jesus' words of reassurance in all of our scripture and our scripture this morning, would the disciples have experienced a loneliness? that was so deep and so pervasive and so damaging that it would lead them to feeling hopeless. 
I wonder these things, but thanks be to God, we don't have the answers. Because as it was, Jesus gathered with his disciples in an upper room. Just as the disciples are on the verge of feeling friendless and alone. And Jesus took off his outer robe and knelt before them and washed the feet of his disciples one by one. And then he asked them, do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand what I've done for you? I love this question. Do you understand what I have done for you? Do we understand what Jesus has done for us in this moment? On that night, in that room, Jesus took on that lowly of a role in order that he might show the disciples how much they meant to him. On that night, in that room, Jesus said to his disciples, showed his disciples that he would lower himself this far for his beloved friends. And then Jesus said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? I've washed your feet, yes, but it's bigger than that. I have set for you an example that you should wash each other's feet. That you should care for one another this much that you're willing to embarrass yourself this much for the care of your friends. What Jesus did in that moment for his disciples and for all disciples over all time is give to them two powerful reminders for when we, when we find ourselves feeling friendless and alone. The first is called the church. Jesus called those disciples together, and they would meet together in the aftermath of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. They would meet together with all of the rest of their lives. We can confront and we can combat our fear of being friendless and alone by truly being a part of a church family, by looking to our left and looking to our right and knowing that we are never truly alone because we are surrounded by people who love us just by walking in the door. The other thing that Jesus has done for us is that Jesus has reminded the disciples and thus reminded us that Jesus is with us. Friends, the reality of our lives, the reality is that we have been made, we've been created for relationship with God. And that relationship has been made known most fully in the person of Jesus Christ and has been instituted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in Christ, we are never truly alone. Jesus called the disciples, and when he called them at the very start, he, call, he called them first as followers. He called them first as those that would learn from him, that he would give the wisdom, that they would receive the wisdom. But there came a point in their relationship where the relationship changed. And on that night, so long ago, in that upper room, Jesus called them something radically different. Jesus called them friends. 
And in so calling them friends, we have too become friends. Let us remember that it is Jesus who said, I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because I have told you everything that I heard from the Father. In Jesus, we find someone who knows us and loves us more than we can fathom. In Jesus, we find someone with whom we do not have to pretend to be extroverted or introverted or anything in between. In Jesus, we find someone who says to us, I love you so much that I will lay down my very life in order to redeem your loneliness and your feelings of being unlovable. And when we are tempted by life and circumstance to forget this truth, we have even more reminders. In the back of your United Methodist hymnal, there is a statement of faith from the United Church in Canada. And that might seem like an odd inclusion unless you know the background. And it's in our hymnal because in 1925, the Canadian Methodist Church, the Canadian Presbyterian Church, and the Canadian Congregational Church decided to merge to form one denomination with a shared heritage, our shared heritage. And so their statement of faith is in our hymnal. And I love the words of the very tail end of that statement of faith because it reminds us that in life, and in death, and in life beyond death, we are not alone, because God is with us, and thanks be to God. And so even as we experience loneliness, even as we feel misunderstood, even as we feel abandoned by those who love us most or we lose our spouse to death, even as we enter the downward spiral of feeling as though we will never be loved ever again, we are surrounded by a family of faith. And we are surrounded by the graceful, powerful presence of God in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us and we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Risen and reigning Christ and constant presence in our lives, we give you thanks for your ongoing promise to be with us always. We give you thanks for the way that we live into that promise, and we give you thanks for the ways that we have been reminded of that promise through all of life. As we look to the start of a new school year, or as we look to the start of a season of life, or however we find ourselves here this morning, we understand that feeling lonely is a real thing. And we understand its power. But bigger than that and more than that, we understand who you are. And we understand your faithfulness to your promises, including the promise that you made to your disciples to be with us always. Empower us to live in the strength of that promise. 
and empower us to be agents of that promise as we remind people that they are not alone, as we remind people of who Jesus is. Thank you for being with us in the midst of all of life. We are not alone. And thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.